Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men. Listen, I have my own podcast. I have my own podcast studio. I don't really care about those. What I really care about is the Real Nerds Podcast, the best podcast in the universe, in the multiverse, in, in, on all Earth, 616 and beyond. Listen to it. Subscribe right now and uh, listen to this episode. Listen to all the episodes, but especially listen to, the, listen to the one that I'm on. It might be the best. Thank you, guys. Camera action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk to film. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for over 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience to the world. This week, we saw Tick, Tick, Boom. And uh, yeah, we'll tell you if we like the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. Some films I say spoil the movie, but is there really spoilers in this film? I don't think so, but you know. Yeah, maybe a musical number will catch someone by surprise. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, biographies that shouldn't be something spoilery. I mean, you can look that up. Yeah, even like uh, I mean, this is obviously a hyper stylized biography, but um, but yeah, uh, we also have the big movie news item of the week, and uh, also Hollywood's big comeback. We look a little closer at some box office returns. How you doing there, champ? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, just um, stay on top of things, trying to, you know, yep. I'm sure you have those weekends where you're just like, I'm, you know, at like on Monday, you're you're like, when I get to the weekend, I'm going to get all this stuff done, and then Friday hits, and you're like, what was I supposed to do? I'll just sit here until I remember it, and then it's like Sunday night, and you're like, oh, there it is. That's what I'm supposed to do. Guess I'll do it next weekend. <laughs> all the time, because I'm like I. I try not to forget stuff, but then I put so much on my plate to what to do. And my wife is working full time and going to school full time. So I have to remember to do things for her too. And I'm just glad I remember to pick up my kid every day. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all I, I, I pretty important. If I can do that. Then, then your success. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's how I, gauge my success story is did i pick my kid up from school today and is he eating and if that's yeah. the answer is yes then i win i mean how many movies have had that scene where the kid's like stranded at soccer practice and the dad's like oh sorry buddy i forgot yeah well, i mean <laughs> don't be that guy freaky from last year her mom left her at the football game and she got murdered by a serial killer so yeah cautionary tale yeah, I don't want that on my uh, conscience, you know? 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything cool. I, um, I did yeah, my, my kid, <laughs> we were driving down to, uh, fudge. I, I just, what was I doing? I wanted to do something on Sunday really just to run around. And then my kid said, Oh man, no, it had been Saturday. Uh, traffic's so bad to Idaho Springs. We should just go to the Alamo and watch Spider-Man. I said, okay, <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> and, uh, Twist my arm. Yeah. And it was crazy. So you, you text me about Alamo's season pass thing and it actually crashed as I was walking into the theater to open up my tickets. And, uh, when I got there, it, yeah, it just totally went. <laughs> and the guy says, I'll just have to write you out a ticket, man. I'm sorry. Well, that's cool that you're open to that. Like, I had that problem too, but at least you, you were able to buy your tickets and then it crashed. Like, yeah, I could use the app, but it wouldn't uh, initiate the season pass at all. So when I got to the counter, I was like, hey, you know, is, is this thing crashed or what's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, we've, we've gotten some complaints about that. And um, I don't know, I think I can comp you a ticket. And I was like, I think I should get comped. <laughs> like, I'm paying for the service. And I want to watch a movie and I can't. So, yeah, my guess is they probably went to update it or something and they fucked up somewhere. Yeah, it's telling me I have to reinstall it. I'm like, it, it's installed. Like, I don't know why you uninstalled it. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine worked uh, yesterday, last, or yeah, last night when I was looking at uh, Jackass Forever tickets. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, just trying to stay on top of, keeping this podcast current and, and modern. How's, how's the, uh, how's the new uh, format working out? Have we got any uh, feedback? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I got the one feedback from Carol. I think I brought that up. Did I bring that up last week? Um, I remember. If I did not, um, people really like it. So um, that's good. You know, me and being more condensed and uh, more to the point. And I, I think it gives everybody a a voice if they want one when they normally can't see the film you know because the past two weeks has just been you and i and uh the other people uh i I just say hey if you can't make it just send us something so people don't have to constantly try to figure out their schedule you know yeah it's a post you know in the post-pandemic world people got to get back to uh spinning up their lives again so why should this podcast stop them from doing that yeah and you know but i I mean and it also cuts down um the time we have to put aside for it so that's kind of nice as well yeah it's wild editing it it's uh you know i I keep expecting it to be like a two-hour affair (laughs) it's been like 40 minutes it's great yeah it's awesome uh this week for real nerds Brad, we were supposed to see Morbius. Wow. Pushed back for the thing is either the fifth or the sixth time. I forget the actual count. Did you see it's, uh, do you see it's been so long that they changed the, uh, advertising within the movie trailer now? So it's not promoting Far From Home. It's promoting No Way Home. Is it really? I didn't notice that. Yeah. It's, it's like from the people who brought you Spider Man Far From Home and they changed it recently to No Way Home because <laughs> that's what's relevant. Made almost $750 million. Yeah, we're that studio. <laughs> I, I think they have a lot of faith in the movie and they just wanted to reach the biggest audience they could. Right? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. 
that's how it works. Uh, so this week, um, I scoured the internet and I saw that Tick Tick Boom was playing at the Alamo Draft House. So, Brad, do you recommend Tick Tick Boom? I don't know. This is a hard one to review because it's just like a type of movie that I'm just not used to watching. Um, I, I think it's good. Uh, Andrew Garfield is acting his ass off, uh, like a huge powerhouse performance, uh, very manic. Um, but it's definitely got the vibe of uh, like theater kid fandom where, I don't know, if you've ever done high school theater, like you recognize a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> Um, that's it's kind of stuff that's kind of cringy, like just kind of goofy and silly. And you're just like, oh man, what a dork. Um, <laughs> and that's coming from a nerd. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's a good movie. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's like a movie that's for me, but it's definitely well done. Yeah, I, I really liked this movie a lot. I thought it had great energy. Uh, I thought the editing was really great in a couple songs. And yeah, Andrew Garfield is really, really good in it. Here's the trailer for Tick, Tick, Boom. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take... We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. And I've spent the last eight years of my life writing. Getting out. You're gonna be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years! And the time keeps ticking. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear! A hundred percent fear! I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? What if the workshop happens and nothing changes? What then, Jonathan? Maybe I'm just wasting my time. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. What does it take to wake up the generation? It would be a tragedy to give up what you have. Take off and Tick, Tick, Boom is a semi-biographical film about Jonathan uh, Larson, who is the uh, creator and writer of Rent. And this kind of follows him before Rent and how he 
is struggling to become a prolific songwriter and playwright and the struggles that come along with it. And, um, and the film is told in a really unique way where it's a one man kind of show where he's in a small theater, I'm guessing off Broadway and he's, you know, telling his life story through song to an audience and the film does flashbacks to the, these moments that he's talking about. And uh, I mean, I did some research before we came on the air and uh, yeah, tick, tick, boom was a really big success for him off Broadway. And uh, this film is like a, it's not an adaptation of it per se, but uh, Jonathan Larson gets a uh, writer credit on it. So I'm guessing they took a lot of his life at that point and put it in there. Cause I, and probably some of his songs, cause that's the only reason I think he'd get a writer's credit. Correct. I don't know. I don't know. Like that was the confusing thing for me from the movie. Cause all I knew about him was like, Oh, this is the guy who created rent. Right. Um, and so I went into the movie thinking, okay, this is going to be like the inspiration for Rent. And then by the end of it, I mean, even by halfway through the movie, I'm, I'm just like, he's like two musicals away from Rent. Like, are we ever going to get to that? And then it shows the end where, you know, he has to learn to like, hey, write what you know. And he creates Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm like, oh, is the thing that he wrote, like, is this movie Tick, Tick, Boom, like adapted into a movie now? Um, and I, I don't, is it? No, um, in a way it is, and in a way it's not. It's it's a really unique way of telling the story, uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, he tragically died. I think I was reading the night of the final dress rehearsal for Rent, um, of some sort of heart issue, and so he never got to see. He has a aortic aneurysm. They say it in the end of the movie. Yeah. Something like that. And um, so, yeah, he never got to see, I mean, his greatest triumph. I, I, he won a Pulitzer Prize for Rent. And It's interesting they said uh, Ticket Boom was success because in the movie they show the poster on the wall was like discounted to like $10 from 20 which kind of suggested to me that like it wasn't doing well. So. From what I read, it was an off-Broadway hit. So maybe that's why is just trying to get people into the theater because he was competing. I mean, he even says in the film, you know, he's competing with all these mega musicals and, um, and things like that. So maybe that's kind of a callback to it, but yeah, no, I, uh, the movie takes, uh, once you get into, it took me, uh, about 20 minutes to get into the rhythm of the film. But once I did, I had a really good time. I thought it was really fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, Andrew Garfield is great in it. I read that he really couldn't sing that well. So he took a year to learn how to sing for this film. And, uh, so yeah, he, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. I thought he was naturally gifted like that. Um, why he got the part, but I get, yeah. It's funny you were talking about in your opening about it has the theater kid stuff. And um, I totally felt that vibe. Uh, I mean, I love 
the editing and the song therapy when he's breaking up with his girlfriend, but he's singing it uh, to the audience with Vanessa Hudgens character. And they kind of have that uh, theater overacting, you know, yeah, they're smiling and looking at each other. And um, so, yeah, I know exactly what you mean for that in a movie. It's kind of weird seeing it because it's so over the top. But when you see a play, it's how it's supposed to be, if that makes any sense. I think so, yeah. It's a, it's a hard concept to convey, but yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's there's other stylized stuff that's, like, really impressive. You know, when it, they do the Sunday song and the diner, like, unfolds and everything, it, it feels like a La La Land-type sequence. Oh, yeah. um, I think anybody who's worked in the service industry really relates to that song. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, restaurants. It could be retail where all these people don't recognize that you're really shorthanded and nothing's really your fault. You're trying your best and they just take it out on you. So that song was written by Jonathan Larson. Is the music in this musical like designed for this movie? Or are they all pieces from other stuff that he scrapped. I, yeah, that's what I read is that they're all songs that he wrote, but not for tick, tick boom. Yeah. Obviously the stuff for like the failed musical is for the failed musical, but I'm just like the stuff that's uh, conveying his life at this point, creating that's those songs. I was like, are those created by other people for him? Or like, did he, are these all songs that he made from, you know, just his back catalog of like, I'll put this in something someday. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, it is, uh, a stage musical. Uh, it's based on the stage musical of the same name. So it's a film based on a stage musical. Um, uh, yeah. That, um, so it's kind of a weird thing. You know what I mean? It's like Tick, Tick, Boom is a, its own entity. And then they made a film based on the play, but it's not the play, which is also based on the life of Larson. Um, okay. I'm just imagining the people listening at home. just like, do people, do these guys like no movies at all? Like <laughs> what's going on here? I know. So, um, uh, so Levinson, uh, the guy who wrote the film and um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the director of directorial debut, who did a great job uh, said it's important for the film to play with the credit score by Jonathan Larson. And so sourced many songs from a library of Congress archives, including several that had never received an official release. This includes three songs from Su- superbia, not included in the soundtrack. Um, so yeah, it looks like, they kind of dug into his uh, catalog and had songs that he wrote, some that have never been released kind of fit into uh, the film that they were doing. Interesting. Yes. It seems like 3d chess (laughs) trying to wrap my head around, you know, it's it's like a biography and a musical, you know, biography of a musical. It's got, it's like layered. Anyway, but yeah, um, yeah, performances are great. Uh, music is great. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fun movie. I, I love the energy of the movie. I, I thought it moved really fast and I thought everybody in it was really good. Yeah. It was, it was, it was heartbreaking to see him like be obsessed with his musical and totally sideline uh, people that supported him. Yeah. And you can see the um, ideas for rent started to percolate throughout the film. Um, Cause his one friend, Mike, who's his best friend told him, like, dude, you know, you're not paying attention to what's going on around you and you have this gift. And his agent told him to write what he knows. And that served him well uh, when he made rent. So it's kind of cool for them to lay that groundwork and see what went into him becoming, uh, I mean, an icon really on Broadway, which is sad that he passed away. Because he's another one of those guys when they pass away so young that you're always curious on what they would have done next. Yeah. But when you create one thing that will live and stand the test of time, sometimes that's all you need. Um, That was another thought I had while I was watching the movie. I was like, hmm, I guess I probably should have seen Rent. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I feel like this movie requires you didn't know some of this backstory. Like, even though it's supposed to tell you, I feel like some things are just like, you know, cause all that stuff of like, if you're watching his life in this period, like if it's going to inspire rent, like if you don't, if you haven't seen rent, like that part will be lost on you. Cause yeah, I'm sure it's all inspiring. Like I can kind of guess what the movie rent is, or what the musical rent is probably going to f- seem like if you know this stuff about him. Yeah, well, I think you get the general idea. I mean, Rent is dealing with the HIV and um, AIDS epidemic, being a young person at that time. And he mentions throughout this film, too, that a lot of his friends are dying and he's going to their funerals. And um, so, yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, we were uh, too young at that point in our lives to really grasp the the horrors of the AIDS epidemic, but, um, you know, he kind of put it out there, um, for mainstream, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Gosh, I just think maybe he'd be what? 60 today. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, huh? In his sixties. Yeah. Seems so young in the musical. That's why you should uh, treat every day as a blessing and embrace everything that comes your way. If you're sitting on that, if you're sitting on that blockbuster musical, get to it. Cause yeah, and you never know when that blockbuster musical is going to inspire you. Get it out there. Right. What you know, that's what Carl Reiner said too. Yeah. Right, what you know, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, you go back to the Dick Van Dyke show, which I watched this week because I've been working so many hours. It's kind of nice to go back and just watch something and get lost in it. And I ended up watching, I don't know, like eight episodes in a row. Nice. For season? Uh, no, I just, I grabbed season two and I randomly, I think I picked the second or third disc on the Blu ray and just put it in. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just seeing uh, 
Dick Van Dyke go through his shtick. And um, I, I love when they come up with uh, sketches for Alan Brady in the office and um, Rob has to act him out. And you have someone like, you know, Buddy and Sally, who are both incredibly talented performers as well, kind of just do their vaudeville stuff. And it's, I, I adore those moments in that show. You know, I was watching, uh, I think last weekend was uh, some of the Roner's Pod show again. And in the background, it, there's obviously your DVD wall and it has the Blu-ray set of Dick Van Dyke show on it. And then I was thinking like, man, it feels like that Blu-ray set just recently came out, but really like almost more than 10 years ago, it's been on Blu-ray. Like I was thinking too, because I'm just, you know, every once in a while I look on my Blu-ray.com app where I organize my collection and Blu-rays have been around since 2006. Yeah. It's another thing of where did the time go? I, I know. I, I remember like in 2003, 2004, we were like waiting, you know, two to six months for each DVD release box set. Yeah. Like when's five going to come out? And then, yeah, as early as, I don't know, 2011, 2012, it was on Blu-ray. I know it's because I, the one thing I, I still have them. I, I love the Dick Van Dyke DVD sets. I think they look so nice um, compared to the Blu-ray set. Yeah. But I haven't been able to trade them in. Like they just look too good. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, I have the Blu-ray set and I have the DVD sets and, you know, my wife is really annoyed with stuff like that, but um, I just can't do it. I don't know. There's something, you know, it has a little trivia on the, uh, the cases it has the TV uh, that if you move it, you know, there's a scene from the show. Um, yeah. Remember when they used to actually put like a lot of effort and features into the packaging for those things? Oh, man. I, uh, so I, I love the Simpsons DVDs. I think they're the, some of the best produced ones. And I went to Wales Tales, which is the Jefferson County Library's. I guess overstock thing or after outlet. Yeah. Outlet, I guess. And they put them there and I got uh, a couple Simpsons DVD sets for $4 that I didn't have. And even in the later seasons, I still did a really great job in producing those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sad. And I mean, then you have shows that just kind of, they go away now. Um, stuff like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They just stopped making them. Um, I'm hoping they're going to release the next family guy one. I don't know if it's because of a COVID thing, why there's like a, maybe a year or two year gap in it, but yeah, I think they're like three seasons behind now. Yeah. That's what I mean. So I, 20 is airing. And I think the last one I have is 17. Uh, I have 18. Okay. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, they're still, so they were like one behind and I don't know how long they shut down production because of COVID, but yeah, it's just things I think about all the time <laughs> and, um important things forget to always share uh you know there's always articles from hollywood reporter or variety where they'll say uh dc movies that are leaving hbo max this month i go i never have to worry about that even in something like hbo max who owns those films take them away from streaming services <laughs> it's so ridiculous yeah it was a uh, actually i i on HBO Max, they had Fast and Furious 6, which I haven't seen 6 and 7 yet. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, cool. I can finally catch up on this. And then 
they didn't have seven. So I was like, oh, maybe Universal has them all unlocked again. And uh, Peacock is the Universal streamer, and they don't have Fast and Furious at all. I think they have the first movie available. I'm like, how does Universal not have their one of their biggest franchises free to stream? Like they don't have a, even have a paid version of it. It's like weird. That's what I mean. And they'll find a way to edit stuff. Yep. That's why it's it's a scam. Two years later, stuff, but you know, yeah, having the stuff and they can't take it away from me. I like that more. There's like a contract dispute. They're like, ah, oh, we gotta cut out the rock from this movie. <laughs> yeah, re-upload it and. I mean, they do that all the time with um, my in-laws have Dish Network. They lose channels all the time over contract disputes. So they don't have NBC right now. So I guess they're not going to be able to watch the Super Bowl next week. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's a joke. But anywho, I digress. This is the big box office comeback. Man, you just can't stop Spider-Man. Can't stop him. He's number one again with 11 million, which is actually still pretty remarkable. Uh, even if it wasn't COVID times, that it's the number one movie for six out of seven weekends. Yeah, I think uh, usually it's, it's like the most any movie has done is like four weeks in a row for, I don't know, six, seven years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, Scream, I guess, kept it out of number one for like five days. <laughs> Yeah. And now it's back to running the playground. Next week, there's two movies that come out because Jackass comes out and something else comes out. Um, but I mean, we're seeing Jackass just so yeah. Black, Blacklight, I think. Is it Blacklight? I thought Blacklight came out. Oh, Moonfall. Oh, Moonfall. That's right. <laughs> I thought Blacklight came out next week with uh, Death on the Nile. Yeah. What's so. Uh, <laughs> I assume we're doing Blacklight that week and not Death on the Nile. Yeah, we should just to make Corinne mad because she loves all those English actors. <laughs> but I am going to wait. I'm going to check the soundtrack for um, Blacklight to make sure uh, Phil Collins is on the soundtrack because that I'm like, this trailer's stupid. And then when they had In the Air Tonight pop up <laughs> the trailer, I go, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. I'm in. Uh, sometimes having the Alamo season pass is great <laughs> because I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see Moonfall, and I would never see it normally. And I go, okay. Uh, at Ticket Room, I saw like a new like action trailer for Moonfall, where it's like an action comedy, and not just like you know a world destroying like every world destroying trailer you've ever seen. Uh, it was pretty like wow, I, this must be a tough sell <laughs> that they're doing a like a different vibe trailer. Um, it's one of those movies that it might be dumb enough that it does really well you know like a deep impact or something <laughs> but um and roland emmerich i mean he makes pretty fun movies but everything when i see movies like that I'm like, i just think that it's going to be really dumb but who knows maybe it'll be a lot of fun i don't know yeah this podcast gives every movie a chance yeah i'll see it why not you know i was thinking too uh we should have last week because we, we had trouble picking this week's movie we should have picked um encanto just to screw with corinne <laughs> Oh, we should have. 
<laughs> That's all right. Um, well, and now it's starting to get packed. Like movies, there's a lot coming out. So uh, it was sweet. I went to see, uh, watch the football games with uh, one of my friends. Uh, and we went to this place in Evergreen. And they had a new trailer for the Batman. And when it said, it said the Batman, and then it said tickets on sale February 10th, people cheered. I'm like, oh, sweet. Nice. I love seeing stuff like that. You know, that means that it, it's hopefully going to do really well. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure it will, but. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it'll do Spider-Man business, but I think it'll do well. I think it's good. It might. Yeah, I, well, I, th- I don't think Bat- like Spider-Man's fun. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's a meme. You know, you get all your Spider-Man back in the movie, and this is like, you know, there's still an era of like, oh, I'm sure people are thinking, oh, it's the kid from Twilight. Yeah, that's gonna be good, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting. I did read that Matt Reeves said that the origin of Batman is not in this film, which I uh, slow clapped and <laughs> really excited that I read that. Yeah, we'll see. Somehow, um, Thomas Wayne's in it somehow, so we'll see what kind of flashback that is. But well, I'm guessing it has something to do with in the trailer where you know Bruce tells Alfred that he lied to him. So yeah, maybe Thomas Wayne isn't as good as he's portrayed to be, and the Riddler's trying to expose him. I don't know. Yeah, but like I said, Spider-Man's you know. You get all Spider-Man making jokes with each other, and Batman's like, "Hey, I'm going to solve a murder." <laughs> so, bit of a darker material, Tough, tougher to get people to like come out over and over again for that. And it's three hours. That's that's awesome. But I think there was a pent up like demand for Spider-Man as well, because there people knew that the other Spider-Man were going to be in it, but they wanted to be sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it just a cameo or is it actually like relevant to the whole arc that the phase two phase five is going on or whatever Four. Yeah. And I think it's the first must see Marvel movie in two years. Oh yeah. I mean, the other ones are fun. Like Shang-Chi was really fun. Eternals was okay. And I mean, black widow, I rewatched that recently and that movie's really good, but this one felt like the first one that people had to see, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, part of my attraction to it was like, okay, you know, we're talking about the multiverse. Let's finally figure out what this next phase is about. Yeah, Black Widow's like, yeah, it's great, but like, you know, she lives, so there's no stakes. And then Shang Chi is a self-contained thing where it's like, okay, there's stakes, but they're not high. And then um, Eternals promise that it's part of bigger things, but it also feels self-contained, and you're also kind of like still questioning like why couldn't these people stop endgame <laughs> like yeah they don't buy it so yeah it's just yeah spider-man was kind of like the okay this feels like it's something from endgame left over yeah and it and advances you know the marvel universe in a way the other ones haven't yeah yeah it, you know it completely puts the character at uh in different place at the end so agreed um i was going to do the big movie news of the week but there really isn't anything it's real news sony uh playstation division bought bungie which made the halo series and destiny lately um 
they made well, they, so they made most of the uh, Xbox exclusives, and now Sony's got them. Yeah, but uh, the reason Bungie agreed to be bought by Sony is Sony's going to allow them to make uh, games for other platforms as well, which Sony's been doing a lot lately. The their uh, MLB the Show game is coming out on the Switch this year, which is really cool. Oh wow! Yeah, I just saw that today. So, um. Yeah, I mean, that's a great game and that it's coming out on Xbox and Nintendo is, I mean, Sony's still publishing them, so they make all the money off of it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well, yeah, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you're like me, but like I, I've been divorced from kind of video game culture for a while now. I'm not nearly as close as I was when I was working at video game stores. And it kind of feels like, the whole industry is like running out of ideas. Like they don't know where to go next with anything technology or game wise. Like everything's just like extensions of what exists. Um, you know, it's not like each new system has like a huge leap in graphics compared to like eight bit to 16 bit to 32 bit. Right. Sure. Um, it's just like cleaner each time now. So I'm like, is there, this seems like a reaction to like, Hey, we can't do exclusives anymore or else we sell less. Yeah, might be. So we have to kind of like have to get on every platform at this point to make money anymore. Um, You know, the only thing I would push back is um, because I have a PlayStation five now is there is a big difference. Um, But that you're right. The graphics aren't the thing really anymore. It's uh, I mean, PlayStation five games have no load times at all. Um, they have a little bit when you start up the game, but now, I mean, a perfect example is, uh, I've been playing Spider-Man remastered, which came out on PS4, oh, 2017, I think, uh, 16. And when you fast travel, there'd be like a 30 second, 45 second little cutscene of Spider-Man, like on the subway, which is really funny. But on the PlayStation 5 version, you just, hit on the map where you want to go and he's already there. Um, Cause it, it's constantly building the world and they add this thing called ray tracing that allows reflections and um, yeah, it's uh, and the controller is really incredible for the PlayStation five. Um, it, it vibrates in a different way, um, which is really cool. Cause I remember getting, you know, the rumble pack for N64 and how revolutionary that was. Yeah. And, and now we're, and, you know, even remember the N64 controller with the analog stick and people are going, is that even going to be a thing? And now it's just a standard. <laughs> oh yeah. Game. I always defended Nintendo, like in that era of like, yeah, maybe it wasn't those popular, but they influenced everything else on other systems. Well, I think that, um, the switch isn't the most powerful system, but I mean, it's still, is really fun and there's something really cool about uh i mean when i go on trips and i just take my switch off the dock and i can play it on an airplane and uh i mean the screen doesn't put out as good of a picture as my 4k tv but it's pretty damn close and so i'm basically getting a super powerful system that is a handheld system which i i think is really innovative and cool yeah, I saw someone had the OLED version and the screen looks so nice. So noticeable. I've I've never seen one, so I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's just it, it's only slightly bigger, but it's just it looks like that 4K resolution you get from like a, I'm sure your your huge TV, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, yeah, no, I, I, I I'm not, yeah, I'm not as close to it as I used to be, but I mean, there's still days where, um, I mean, last night was an example where I just put on Spider Man and I played it for like two and a half hours. And just getting lost in that world again. And I mean, that game's incredible, but uh, just so much fun. And it, it makes me want to play. So I'll probably bust out the Arkham Batman collection I have before the Batman comes out, just so I can get in that mind frame. And yeah. I never did go into Arkham City. I gotta do that sometime. I should. I just, I started it up and I was like, there's way too much going on for me to like, uh, you know, give up a weekend or probably like a month's worth of weekends to, there's just too much to do. So I'm like afraid to touch it because <laughs> of the like ruin. I love about the Spider-Man. It's, it's basically like Arkham, but you're controlling Spidey. Um, is there so many side missions that you can just turn on the game and, you know, go here and stop this, these criminals over here or, do like swinging through the city at a certain speed. And um, so there's enough to keep you distracted. And I mean, Arkham games are a little more involved, but you can go around and just collect Riddler trophies if you want. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm just a completist. That's my fear is like, I'll try to want to do every little thing. And, you know, uh, Arkham Asylum was like, okay, it's you're, you're locking the asylum. There's only so far you can go. And then I <laughs> open up Arkham city and it's just like, I could go anywhere in this huge Gotham city. That's dangerous. I need to do work. Yeah, no, I mean, you can be a completist, but yeah, you I mean, you, you do have to train yourself in that or in Arkham Knight Cause Arkham Knight's like twice the size of Arkham city. Ugh. Um, yeah, you just gotta, what I do in those games because the story is so compelling is I slowly advance the story where I'll go run around and get, you know, the Riddler trophies or whatever other side mission. And then if I do that for about 20, 30 minutes, I go, okay, now I'm going to go see what, you know, Batman's up to and keep the story going. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Cause I'm like that with Spider-Man right now is I'm, I'm going to get all these trophies. I'm going to find all these backpacks around the city. Um, and still, you know, possess, uh, uh, keep the story going, get you, get you in trouble for sure. Yeah. But whenever, uh, Breath of the Wild 2 drops for sure, I'm definitely locking myself away and immersing myself in that for definitely sure. I'm, I'm guessing probably this winter would be my guess. I hope so. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, they've been working on it a long time. That's what I, what I do like about Nintendo is they really don't delay games. They always say, this is coming out in three months. Here's the pre-order stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I mean, I'm waiting for a new Mario game, too. Like a sequel to Odyssey. That's what I want. So, yeah. Um, hey, let's see if uh, the other nerds are up to anything this week. nerds, Corinne here for part 42 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. This week, I watched Minority Report, which just fell off of Netflix, so I got in just under the wire. Uh, yeah, uh, on the whole, like, I, I thought the concept was really cool, but I think the execution could have been a little bit better. 
the movie was trying to straddle this line between like do we want to be like an action movie or do we want to be like a drama like crime thriller sci-fi thing like it just kind of jumped around genres a little too much and I think if they had just kind of stuck to more of the crime thriller that they had in the second half it would have been a lot better but um there's like a seven minute action sequence that just goes on forever in like the first half and yeah the second third had I think some pacing issues this movie did not need to be two and a half hours long but on the whole like I really enjoyed it like I said I really liked the premise I thought the exposition was well done it didn't feel like really heavy-handed or like like they're just throwing a ton of stuff at you like you you get like kind of organic organically introduced to the world but they do clarify some things for you and then uh the twist at the end of like who's behind everything and why uh, that was really well played out and like that sequence where the the big murder is supposed to take place you know they're I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, I genuinely don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. I was like, I mean, there's like 30 or 40 minutes left in the movie, so, eh. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that that felt like a climax. And then, of course, like, everything that comes afterward feels, like, equally interesting. And everything kind of wraps up pretty nicely at the end. So, on the whole, um, I'd probably give it, like, three and a half or four stars. Again, I think it has some pacing issues. I think it's just trying a little too hard to be a little bit of everything. And I think it needed to be more consistent in being this, like, you know, sci-fi crime thriller instead of, like, oh, but we gotta have, like, an action sequence. It's like, I don't, I don't care. (laughs) This isn't, this doesn't need to be an action movie. I know you have Tom Cruise in it, but the movie was a lot more interesting when you leaned more onto the human drama and less on, like, oh, yeah, gotta punch, gotta fly around, gotta zip, jump on these cars which (laughs) he totally should have died it's like you can't jump from something that you know it's going like 70 miles an hour down this like cliff to something else that's going 70 miles an hour down the cliff without sustaining major injuries so (laughs) anyway yeah like i'd give it three and a half or four stars uh it might be streaming somewhere else but like i said it just fell off of netflix so sorry i didn't get around to it sooner Next week, I'm not sure if I'll be doing a Catching the Classics or a Showtime. I'm trying to figure out my schedule for the next week because I might be traveling. So, um, yeah. So, I'll talk to you all next time with something. (laughs) Bye! And now it's time for Brad's Exhibition Etiquette, your weekly guide of tips and tricks to help you not ruin Brad's fun at the movies. Uh, this week, let's talk about the people who come into a movie five minutes after it starts and talks all the way through the hallway at full volume. Yeah, don't do that. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Like I said last week, midnight movies are back. And this week, you can watch Punch Drunk Love at the Esquire at midnight, Friday and Saturday. So check that out. And... And on Wednesday, February 9th, at the Littleton Alamo, you can watch the first Ninja Turtles movie. If you plan on going, I'll probably see you there. Brad, as always, thanks for being on the show with me. Always a pleasure. Glad to do this with you. Work is greatly appreciated. Uh, You'll see us at the movies this week, Brad. We're seeing Jackass forever. Awesome. 
Can't wait. I know Kellen keeps seeing trailers and little TV spots for it. He wants to see it. So I'm going to go see it and see if it's okay that he watches it. (laughs) Has he seen the other Jackass movies? He has. You know, that might not be a bad idea to um, put on maybe Jackass 3 because that one's a little more silly. Um, I think it's probably the raunchiest. Yeah. What do you think is a good one? Maybe I don't remember. Maybe you should just show him the show episodes from the show because those had to be censored for TV. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Down, 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 down. And then may, maybe graduate him to the first movie. Because I think, the, yeah, the first movie is probably the most tame because it's probably most like the show. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they had the the hubris to do what they did in two. And then, yeah, three's just, you know, got flying dildos and stuff. So. It's true. But I think three is the most cinematic one. So. Oh, yeah. This is the best one to look at. But yeah, I don't know if it's good for Kellen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Because I can't wait till him to go, you know, to school and he's on the, the slide and he's talking to nobody he says, hello, I'm Kellen Frost and this is Jackass. <laughs> and then he does a swan dive off the slide or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bless his shoulder. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, see you at the movies. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.